0: Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft.
1: Well, welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger, coming to you on the 19th of April. We are reckless tonight, however, I do have Joe with me, same as usual. How's it going, buddy? Can't complain, things are going good. How about yourself? They are going all right. It's been uh, an interesting week. i actually been doing uh, quite a bit of while, but I also started back into another playthrough on Mass Effect 2, which you were saying you
2: were as well. Yes, just just started it back up, as a matter of fact.
1: And what did you choose to play this time around?
2: I'm going with the infiltrator again, just because I wanted to do with a sniper um, rifle, sniper rifle, and maxed out cloak, which I did not do the first time, uh, and just go to town. And it's been a hell of a fucking lot of fun so far. See, I think I'm like, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, I just I love getting headshots and just watching little counter go up. <laughs>
1: See, yeah, that's how I played it the first time around, which is probably why I enjoyed it as much as I did. You played a soldier the first time around, did you not? Yes, I did. Yeah, like we had a blast because that's what I was playing. And, and really, it, it is a blast when you can stealth. And it's so much safer, too, because as soon as you feel like you're getting aggro or whatever or too much tension, boom, you're gone. And then that careful sniper shot to the head and you're laughing. So it is a much funner play style.
2: I agree. And I like the idea of, uh, using biotics like that in the future. Cause that's what I would, if I, you know, if I could go invisible, that's what I would do. I totally go invisible from cover to cover and snipe the shit out of somebody. And it makes me happy. It makes me giddy.
1: Well, the thing too, is that it's very, very handy at different points when you where cover really makes a difference. Um, there, are, there's a lot of spots where you can just rush in, just all balls out to, to kill everything. But there's some spots where cover means a hell of a lot. Um, one that comes to mind especially is the uh, the planet where the heat really makes a difference, where you get burned if you're in the sun. I can't remember the name of the place, but you know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Yes. Oh, yes. Where you have <laughs> to... You feel like you're in the bad Riddick movie. Yeah. Well, the thing, too,
1: is, is that while you're doing that, you got all those guys pounding and shooting on you, which makes finding cover a lot harder. Well, if you can just stealth through yes you're still taking damage but it's a lot easier because you're not also getting the aggro from the mobs so yeah it makes a big difference i actually started up again i've still got my mass effect one games going on i've got my paragon and my renegade playthroughs going through but i've been dying again to play through two as well and what i wanted to do is i wanted to play through as a female shepherd to get to f- to see what that's like, because oh, you again, just want to screw Garus. No, Thane. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Something about that dude. But no, see, yeah, I got the balls. I, I got enough faith in my 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 masculinity that I'm alright with this. But uh, no, I again, so much tension was spent on those relationship between the characters that you see firsthand when you're playing through as the male shepherd quite obvious that those are going to be there as well on the female shepherd side so I thought you know what I'd like to actually see what you know short of banging thing I'd like to see the depth of those characters again you see so much more of say Jack than you would if you were you know well if you're a female shepherd. I don't know the depth I would assume it's not even close to the same depth that you see as a male shepherd. so I'd like to play through as that plus I wanted to play through as a Vanguard because I actually haven't I haven't done that, so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to mess around with that and, and see. And so far, it's way different. You're, oh, yes. I, I'm used to, again, staying back and letting my guys take the damage up front, and now I'm, <laughs> you, you charge right in, and you're like toe-to-toe with these guys. So it's been a very different play style, but I'm, I am enjoying it. And um, what I did, too, is I found a mod, and if you guys aren't aware of it, I'll link it in the show notes. There's a mod that you can get for... Uh, uh, Mass Effect 2, wherein you can change the hairstyles for the female shepherds. Yes, because those hairstyles suck ass. They are terrible, and yeah. I, I I think there's one that I liked, and I stuck with that one. But then I found this mod, and it was like, ah, oh, sweet, and now she looks fantastic, super sexy shepherd.
2: And so me, I can't play. I can't play the female characters because of crap like that. I don't want to have to install mod. Yeah, but this
1: is not actually installing a mod. All you're doing is you're running an executable file, and then you're opening up the save file, and then from there you're making changes to the hairstyle. It literally took me less than a minute to do. The bonus as well is, now I wouldn't suggest this, well, maybe even I would. If you haven't played through it once, maybe do the whole scanning the planets thing. But once you've scanned the planets once, and you never Ever want to scan planets again? Ever, ever, ever? You'd like to play the game, but you don't want to scan planets. In fact, you'd like to play the game again and level and have fun. But the the the, the thought of having to scan planets so that you don't die when you go through that, that the the um, the relay at the end that holds you back from playing this little executable file will actually give you all of your materials. You can just cheat and put the, the materials there so that you don't have to scan the planets that I would pay for that. I would, <laughs> if this way was like, okay, the, the, the file is like five bucks here. Five, best five bucks ever spent. Thank you very much. Now I actually haven't, I'm I'm assuming that portion works properly. I actually haven't, Done that yet on the file? Because I just started her um, last week, so I'll. I, I'd like to not just give her a ton of everything to right from the get go, so she gets everything right away. But basically, okay, if I was scan- scanning this planet, I'd get X amount of resources. Here, give it to her now instead.
2: Well, fair enough. And I mean, that's one thing that I hated absolutely fucking hated about the uh, that game was I freaking I, I hate the resource gathering mechanics. I hated it in the first game. I hated it in the second game. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where bypassing it, yeah, it's, it's damn near, you can't mention how much, uh, how much that experience is worth. Yeah. (laughs) I, would, I am still dying to finish up the
1: first, again, Mass Effect 1 and 2, or sorry, Mass Effect 1, my playthroughs, just so that I can get the different startings as well for Mass Effect 2, because it makes a difference if you, how you did the end of Mass Effect 1 with the Citadel and everything and how your team survived, if they survived and things like that, and how it imports in. So, again, the legs on both of these games is amazing. I I just, well, look at how much Rick has played them, too. Yeah, fair enough. So moving on you're saying that you never would. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Look at what happened. Wait, right, let's move on to some um some wow news. Actually, no, before we even start on that, uh, just to let everybody know, because there's probably some people now thinking, okay, what the hell is going on? I never got to listen to episode 30. It didn't download from iTunes or whatever, and it's not there. I didn't get to go on iTunes and leave my five-star ratings review like I was meant to do because there was no podcast to to download. Um, We had a problem with the video portion, which uh, the boys were supposed to be doing. And, and they tried valiantly. However, <laughs> Joe had a problem due to his new video card settings. And so basically, if I would have used his footage, there would have been a lot of just black screen. So it would have been interesting, but fairly useless. And Rick's footage, which took <laughs> far too long, far too long to get. Um, he blames his crappy ISP. I I don't know the fact that he didn't even have an FTP client installed on his computer i'm thinking the blame is probably 50 50 but we won't go there (laughs) that being said when i finally got the footage from rick there was literally at least a half hour missing so and it was the half hour of the pvp stuff at the end which was the best stuff and i tried to piece it all together and do what i could and it got to be just basically a huge mess so i've given up on that it was a good ideal that just could not happen and so when we
2: might be able to revisit later with more preparation <laughs> yeah and testing big
1: time testing yes yes, yes. and uh but it, unfortunately everyone it, it's just not going to happen so what i'm going to be doing is i'm going to be releasing episode 30 um audio only at the same time as 31 which will no doubt be tomorrow just to get that out for everybody so God moving God. on from there so let's go on to the um the blizzard stuff because there was a twitter chat again that they did the much better this time um, is some of it yeah i mean i really they, they certainly didn't cover a hell of a lot in terms of each individual class but there was still a lot of content now the most important one And I'm thinking everybody's opinion had to do with this, the flying mount speed. You're going to be able to train to 310, which means no more holiday events, no more metas. And what they basically said as well is that they do not want it to ever go faster than 310. So no more meta holiday achievements for you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to put yourself through that just to ride an ugly purple drake. That being said, though, they are going to make it so that once you train to 310, all of your mounts that are flying, that are capable, will become 310. Three ten. Yeah. So that means that you're not always using the ugly purple Drake. You can use
2: whatever one you want. That rocks. That rocks. Yes, that I definitely money. agree. As somebody who went through a, a lot of pain in the ass shit to, to get my fucking Drake... Uh, this included waiting an entire year because the holiday achievements on Christmas were fucked up. That would have made me a lot happier back then if I had just paid a lot of money and said, oh, look, 310 flying. Awesome. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm much happier.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing that I, the most important thing to me too is the fact that, again, it means that all of your mounts are going to be going that fast. That's yes. huge because like if you spent a lot of time, say, getting the, 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 um, the Netherwing wrap up, So that you can get those mounts, which in my opinion are still probably just, just before, just below like the rusted and, um, the iron. I think those are gorgeous, but I think those nether wing drakes are probably the nicest looking ones in the game even, um, Next
2: to Invincible.
1: Yeah, well, and so here you are now. If you have a 310 ugly-ass purple thing, you're going to feel the need to fly that instead. And especially if you are a mount collector, like my shaman is actually a mount collector, um, if you're a mount collector, well, then you're still going to be stuck with one stupid flying instead of all the cool ones that you've gotten. So this, to me, I think is fantastic. And they're also talking about uh, flying in Azeroth and how that's going to work. And they're talking about... They probably will not have a old weather flying. They were kidding around, but rather you
2: you're just gonna be able to fly there right from the start. Ooh. This is this Ooh. is really cool for me too because <laughs> of all the, the the different areas that people were trying to explore, like the airstrip on top of Ironforge, uh, the troll village that exists the the dancing trolls in the village that exists between. I think it's Moonglade, and uh, it's either Moonglade and dark shore or it's the one near iron forge um but yeah i mean i think that's kind of cool because that opens up a whole nother realm of exploration possibilities and get to see the old world in a way that you haven't been able to see it before and i think that's the coolest part about it um instead of having to wait till you're 85 trudging through the ground again uh and then getting the chance to fly i mean it's it's a a much better choice in my opinion especially after we worked our ass off to get the fucking flying in the first place
1: yeah no doubt and the, the thing too is that um they're not going to be forcing you to ride through old Azeroth. Same as Mm -hmm. they do with whenever there's an expansion, they expect you to ride through everywhere for a while. And then once it's clear that everybody's seen everything at that point, okay, it's opened up and everybody can fly now. So here being that we've already seen it all, yeah, there's going to be a lot of new content, but if you want eighties and higher to go back, because you know that there's going to be eighties going back to do the quests from, Oh yeah. um, um, Like even just the very low level quests, like, yeah, we'll be ripping through them, but we'll be doing them for content just to see the lore of what the new stuff is. So the fact that we're going to be able to just fly right through all of that, I think is fantastic. I think that's going to make it much more enticing to go back to do all that regardless and not just do a new tune, but just go back to do it and have fun doing it.
2: Well, I just think it's I think it's just cool because, you know, you're not forced to make the long rides like you were from the top of Stranglethorn Vale down to the bottom uh, or through, you know, the Barrens or whatever. And all these long areas that even when you had 100 percent speed mount, uh, just took you fucking forever to get through. Well, Um, a good example of that you
1: were just saying was Moonglade. I mean, Moonglade, if you are a druid, is such a pain. If, yes. you, if you've if you used your hearth and you forgot and you went over, you ported over so that you can retrain or whatever, and then you're stuck there and you have to take the long flight, especially if you are a tauren. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moonglade sucks. It's terrible. So just to be able to fly in, do your training, fly out, yeah. Golden, just absolutely golden. Let's move on to some other stuff, though, now. They also talked about how they're going to be revamping the racial abilities. They they didn't really give a lot of information about that, but I think it's, I don't know whether or not people are going to be all
2: happy about that. We've gotten used to the racials. Well, a lo- a, a, you'd be surprised. I mean, I was there at BlizzCon when uh, they announced that they were going to go back and uh, revamp the racial,s and the roar in the audience was freaking deafening. I mean, there's a lot of racial,s that have been changed to to no longer do what they used to do. Like, oh, yeah. um, let's let's take dwarven stone skin for example. It used to drop off poisons and disease. It was great for tanking, uh, great for soloing. Now it just adds armor. Um, obviously, I mean, that's that's cool and all, but it could be revamped a little bit to give it a little more utility, especially when you consider um like elves their racials have been uh fixed so that instead of having a uh like a a, a dodge bonus there's a two percent chance to that anything hitting them will just miss um i mean that's huge for like tanks um you know things like that i it, uh, plus it also allows the ability to bring back some of the more unique ones troll shadow priest used to have a racial i think it was shadow guard was it uh, the dark orbs that used to flow around them. That was cool as shit. That went away. You know, it, it gives them a little more freedom to make these classes a little, or these races a little more unique, especially with the world changing in cataclysm too. Um, with cataclysm throwing everything on its fucking ear, um, you, you open up a whole nother possibilities where, you know, like for the Dwarves, for example, Wildhammer clan coming back into the main Alliance, possibly dark iron dwarves, um, opens up a whole new possibility for sets of racials. Um, Things like that, as well as as all the other ones. And I think that's cool because they've gotten old. They've gotten stale. I mean, and Escape Artist is great for gnomes. Uh, Every man for himself is absolutely amazing for humans in PvP. They don't have to carry a freaking trinket. But there's other races that just get left behind. The only
1: thing, the only downside, though, is that if you chose your class specifically because of the racial and that you thought it was the best one for that that racial then you're likely to be screwed once all this comes around. And then the one that you chose may not be the best for that class.
2: Well, when they talked about it before they said that they're going to go back through the ones that haven't really been changed. So like stuff like elves have already gotten their overhaul, humans have already gotten their overhaul. They're probably not going to go back to them. Um, but like other things like trolls and orcs that have only been minorly tweaked. Sure. They'll probably go back. I um, I mean, think about it for humans get a rep bonus. Um, now that you can change your race, uh, how many people have rolled a human and then gone all the way up and then changed just because of that extra bonus. I'd rather see something else in that place personally. And I'd rather see something that draws me to the other races as much as that. Like you walk around and I don't know about your server, but on my server, I see a fucking shit ton of humans. Why? Because it's easier to grind rep. Um, it gets old fast.
1: Yeah. Although you don't see it quite as much now as before the the diplomacy is not as powerful now as before because of all the bonuses that you can get for your rep grinds via True. tabards or trading in emblems and things like that uh moving on from there what else did we see we saw path
2: of the Titans. <laughs> what path of the titans yes yeah there was okay go ahead path of the titans is going to be the new secondary um like Talent point type thing where you get to unlock special abilities. Um, and they were talking about the cool unlock is the paths unlock this thing called an ancient glyph. Um, they don't enhance class abilities since they're designed to work with any class, but they do grant bonuses that might be useful to a wide variety of characters. Um, anything you could really think of, like passive bonuses instead of active abilities. Um, I think it's fucking awesome. And this is unlocked through archaeology, um, which is a secondary uh, skill as well. Uh, where profession. you profession, excuse me, where you go to ruins or instances and uncover different things. um They're talking about maybe the path of the Titans unlocks the ability for you to teleport to that instance after you get a certain amount of archaeological data from it. Um, I think that's fucking awesome, and I think that's really, really ridiculously cool because how long has it been since we've had a secondary ability that really mattered? I mean, in, in vanilla, everybody had first aid and cooking because well. Uh, they gave you bonuses. Now, cooking is is so easy to level uh, that everybody has it, and its benefits are kind of compared to like food that's widely available. Um, It's not like it used to be, where this one is something that's going to be fun. It's different, um, and Personally, I think it's going to be, as a lore nut, I think it's going to be fucking cool because you're going to be able to dig through with archaeology, unlock different things, different uh, aspects of whatever titan you choose to follow, and get passive abilities based on the knowledge and bits that you uncover. And I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's about time that they brought in another secondary profession as well just to liven things up a bit Um, because, quite frankly, although, I, hell, I would like for them to allow us three primary professions, um, just because it's quite often too is not enough. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, And whenever I read about archaeology, and I know that Vince can probably agree with me, and you're talking about digging up ancient relics and things like that, I cannot help but think of Richard in the Looking for Group comic with his little shovel to dig things (laughs) up (laughs) and for those who don't know what i'm talking about i will post a picture in the show notes so you can see just that look of him sitting there with his little shovel in his hands ready to to dig stuff up fantastic anyways let's move on from there uh what else we got we got news on masteries blah blah blah, class mechanics um in terms of individual class news was there any shaman
2: no, not there's like really. Nothing for shaman,
1: really. No, um, let's the see. the druid I thought was funny because they were talking about why, why didn't restoration druids? <laughs> why are restoration druids the only spec in the game not receiving a new spell? And they just went on to defend themselves.
2: So it, it's well. they're. To- <laughs> i don't know the class section i was a little disappointed in i'll be honest everything else was like exciting the dungeons and raid section was exciting but the class section was just kind of a letdown um they talked about some of the reasoning behind like uh the druid chains where they're talking about you get a new tree of life which is like an ancient of war which is kind of cool but still we got that problem where you're not in tree form um You got very minor information on hunters and paladins and priests, uh, shaman nothing for, which upset me a little bit. It was all about shamanistic rage. Um, and, And, yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be a class discussion, but it just... The class section got overshadowed by everything, everything else. Everything
1: else. I mean, look at all the information here I'm showing for people who are watching live. Everything right from the, the raids and dungeons, uh, different items, player versus player, blah, blah, blah. And the stuff for the actual classes, there was a few questions. I think Death Knights got the most with four questions answered. Yeah. And everybody else had one or two. Yay. Well, that was great. Okay. Well, anyways, let's move on from there. Big news, yes. of course, for the week, too, with
2: WoW. go ahead go ahead was the
1: millions of dollars that they made in the span of a few hours millions Mm -hmm. people the celestial steed and little xt went on sale Uh, if you're not aware of this and you live in a bubble little xt was going for 10 bucks and the celestial steed was going for a whopping 25 dollars and (laughs) in the span of just a few hours the queue went up to a hundred and forty thousand okay now doing the math taking into consideration the price of the the lowest price if everyone had just gotten little xt up to the highest if everyone had gotten the celestial seed which i saw from what i've seen i've seen very few little xts i'm seeing tons of celestial seeds everywhere anyways so What they made in just a few hours was between $1.4 to $3.5 million. And now, this is just a reskin of an existing... mount in the game and yet they complain that they don't have the resources for new demons or new demon skins or druid skins or warlocks or the the paladin mounts and things like that they their their excuse for not putting that in is there's only a certain amount of resources and so if they don't if they put it towards that, then there won't be any new bosses or whatever. That's literally what they were saying. However, apparently, if you can stand to make $1.4 to $3.5 million in a day, you make the time, and you put that shit out. Now, what's funny is that my opinion, and I, I'm quite certain we disagree on this, my opinion is, is that, and again, it's not that I can't afford to buy 25 And I want to make very clear, I'm saying again, Opinion. This is just my opinion of it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Twenty-five for a virtual horsey, a star pony. <laughs> All it's missing is a unicorn. A unicorn corn the head thing um, is a ridiculous amount. Uh, I still maintain that ten dollars for a mini pet is too too much, but twenty-five for a mount I think is absolutely ridiculous. Now I'm not shouting from a pulpit here, but. Literally the day before this went out, we had a the um, Canadian Breast Cancer for Women Society coming to our door looking for donations, and we gave them some money. And I thought that for me is the proper use of money. That there, that made sense to me. Now that's not to say that I don't waste money on games because I do. It's not to say that I don't waste money on a variety of things. Yes, I do. However, I can't justify. 25 dollars for amount and on top of that what i think of it as is going back to my idea of gouging now everybody keeps saying that you know what they're a business they're out to make money and yeah that's all well and good and it's it's very funny because it was a very very good article as well that talked about the double standard with blizzard how when other people are buying things, microtransactions through other companies, they're being sucked in and they're being used, and it's stupid and it's bad and all that. But with Blizzard, oh, they're a company. Oh, it's acceptable. Oh, everybody else bought once, so obviously, it's fine. And it's it makes me laugh seeing some of the comments I've been reading and people talking about it on in game. But again, the fact that if you can make, and this did not take long to make, people. <laughs> this this wasn't made from scratch. Again, this is just a skin. Um, this did not take many hundreds of dollars, even for them to design and put in the game. And they made again the 1.4 to 3.5 million. To me, that means you're gouging, you haven't just made you know hundreds of thousands, which is awesome. You made hundreds of thousands off of a product again in the first day. That's that's very, very good business, but you know, maybe not quite as much gouging, but when you could say you've made <laughs> between 1.4 and 3.5 million, I think you've gouged your your audience.
2: And, and to a certain degree, I can, I can understand and I can agree with that point. Um, you know, it's something we don't want to, we don't want to see the rest of the game turn into this. We don't want to see our monthly subscription on top of like microtransactions for everything. Um, you know, and and i'm trying to think of how to phrase this i'm okay with it for me i think it's everybody's personal decision it's just the game should never turn into that's what you need to do to enjoy the game for me the 25 was meh that was my game that was part of my game budget for the uh for the month i give myself a certain budget uh, and then i'm done um but nobody's twisting my arm to buy it it was my choice and as long as i don't forced to buy it um perfect example would be dungeons and dragons online you're not forced to buy the stuff that raises your level cap um but you can and it's a lot easier to buy it than it is to go through a whole dungeon with four other people and get maybe the one that drops at the very end of the dungeon and then have to wait for another group to go and do it again if you don't win it um you know so they they make that a little more attractive for somebody to um purchase it versus not purchase it. Whereas here, if I don't purchase it, it's not going to kill me. This is pure vanity. This is pure choice. And I'm okay as long as it remains pure choice and pure vanity. I mean, nobody told these people, nobody told these several hundred thousands and millions of people to purchase the mount at $25. Blizzard put it out there. Anybody that wants to buy it, buys it. Great. Fantastic. They purchased it. It's no different than saying you go and buy a $25 bottle opener that screams pandemonium uh from you know the, the the blizzcon event so that's it i mean it's just it's one of those things where it's as long as it remains a choice it's fine but if it ever goes past that point it's that's when it starts you know that that evil area um and as far as the double standard write-ups i think they're freaking great uh, because it is true people are, are approaching this with a ridiculous amount of double standards um you know Either you like the fucking sparkle pony, you don't like the fucking sparkle pony. Uh, either it's okay or it's not. But saying it's okay for one person to do it, but not okay for the other, you know, it doesn't really change anything.
1: Well, again, I'm gutted on the page here. It's it's funny when Alan's Online was selling their backpacks for twenty bucks. Evil. They were evil. It was wrong. <laughs> the the ten dollar respects for Champion Online. That was wrong. It's not good. And yet twenty five dollars for a mount. When you try to talk to people about it, they get so defensive and it's like, no, no, it's all right. Oh, you don't have to buy it. It's not like you have to. And they get so, and, and I like Blizzard, <laughs> but they get so defensive that they're a company, they're allowed to, and I, it makes me laugh. And again, it's not that they're selling the item. I don't have a problem with them selling a variety of items. And if the prices were reasonable, I would would buy them. But to me, $25 for a mount is simply not reasonable. It it just, it, right. it it boggles my mind. It's just too much for a mount in a game. And the the, the other thing too is at this point, there's so many of them everywhere. I'm kind of glad I don't have one. <laughs> I don't want to be one of the, you know, I see, I literally, I'm seeing them by the dozens everywhere. And it's like, okay, well, I'll keep my chopper, uh, you know, or ride whatever. It's a little bit more unique right now because everybody's riding them. So, anyways. Yeah, I agree. I understand. (laughs) It's true. Oh, it was, I was literally, I was in Dal yesterday, yesterday or the day before, (laughs) and there was a procession of them trotting. They weren't running, trotting slowly, one behind the other, showing off their their mounts. And We we call that
2: the elephant walk.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. If nothing screams out nerd like that, I, I have no, it, it just made me laugh my oh,
2: ass off. I think we're missing the most important point, though. Uh, out of all this, the Sparkle Pony proved one thing. Gross crawler promised us a pony
1: and, and you we got, got, got a pony.
2: <laughs> you got
1: just it. Yeah, next mount's gonna be a moose. Okay, moving oh. on from there, touching again on some more microtransactions. Uh, Cryptic had a sale on for a whole whackload of their Star Trek Online, including like a new um, ship I've got it here. Yeah, there was a new ship. There was also a new bridge too. Was there? Yeah, Federation bridge pack. There was a three for research vessels. There was the Federation deep space science vessel. Uh, we got emote packs, Klingon Empire bridge packs. Um, and then the... Well, the science the vessel was to go with the other ones that they'd released before for the advanced escort and whatnot. Right. But the sale, I think, is on until... The end of the day today, it's up until the nineteenth. So if anybody is still playing, <laughs> um, there is a sale. You can go and buy yourself a whole whack load of Star Trek stuff right now. Uh, what else do we have? We had some more microtransactions through uh, yes, microtransactions galore. We had some more with Guild Wars right now. This is kind of cool. Not so much the selling costumes for ten bucks. That's that borders <laughs> on ridiculous as well. But um, This is kind of cool because they're doing a really good job right now with the lore in bridging Guild Wars 1 with 2. Which also makes me feel like 2 is maybe not that that far. I I know that they're talking about the beta coming out this year. Maybe we will be seeing the beta sooner than later and maybe will actually release early in 2011 um that would be fantastic but i really like what they're doing here with the uh, the war on Kryda and how the um again the bridging of it so that you're not going to be left not knowing what's going on so if you are actually playing the first one or if you did have it you bought it now's not a bad time to go in because there's a whole bunch of new content that you could do which will set you up for too if you were planning on playing two.
2: yeah there is um I the stuff like this is actually getting me to want to pick up Guild Wars and the expansions and actually play through them. Um, I like it when you get a bridge between uh, a game and its expansion or a game and its sequel. Uh, when you have games that just leave you with this huge gap in between that's awesome. Uh, that's, and I'm being sarcastic when there's this huge gap, it's just, it's ridiculous because it just throws you off, especially when you immerse yourself in a story and with guild wars, with the way that they're trying to prop up the second game, this is perfect. I mean, this is something that I've been looking forward to in any game to come out. And it makes me happy. It makes me happy that they're bridging this gap and they're doing it in such a way. That's making me as a person who never played the first game, who was very adamant against playing the first game. Cause I just didn't like it. Um, You know, I'm giving it another shot. I'm giving it a second chance.
1: And how many years later, too? I mean, they're celebrating their fifth year anniversary. That's what this is all about as well. So, yeah, I'm actually going to be... What I want to do first is I want to finish my my Mass Effect 2 playthrough again. And then I want to bounce back into Guild Wars again because I still have my main... Uh, a warrior character that I was playing on there. So I'd like to actually... Because she did pretty much everything that was there. So I'd like to take her through some of this stuff now just so that I can get into that lore because I'm definitely playing 2. 2 is... Two is again. I I've got two up on a pedestal like Star Wars, the Old Republic right now, where <laughs> I I'm banking on these people. Don't let me down. I will cry on your doorstep if you do. But I I have so much. I I want this to be so epic, um, because again, like yes, I am having fun and wow again, and I've been playing uh, a new hunter and in the, my my warlock as well. I've been having fun and stuff like that. But I'm still doing the same stuff that I've done many times over again I, I i want something i want something epic something cool something fantastic something new and again i'm that's what i'm looking forward to star wars the Republic War, as well as guild wars 2 and the other one that i i cannot wait for is Terra. now i was telling you guys too i wrote it in the wave file i feel that with everything that i've heard about Terra right now um If there's a game that stands the potential of taking me away from WoW as well, too, I think Terra actually has a really, really strong chance of doing that. They revamped their site uh, last week, and they put a lot more information, including a lot of lore information as well. Um,
2: I don't know. Did you get a chance to read through the lore on this? I have. It's a very intriguing world it's a very interesting world that they're creating i think it's Um, awesome i think it's pretty cool too but i'm i'm one of those people like whereas you're really excited for it i'm sort of skeptical um and the only reason i'm skeptical about it is same way that daniel uh, as skeptical about it. It's just the company handling it. Um, that actually plays a major factor in what games I will play and what games I will not play. Um, like perfect example would be Ion, which we'll talk about soon. Um, but anything that they put out, NCSoft, I look at with a certain amount of skepticism. Um, but yeah, but that one, is that's at a- it with reserved optimism, I guess would be the best way to put it.
1: The difference there too to keep in mind, especially like with NC Soft, too, NC Soft is not always the developer. Sometimes they're just True. the ones that are publishing it. Case in point, Guild Wars. So, I mean, it's ArenaNet that's doing it, not NC Soft. NC Soft is just publishing it. Right. Um, so that's why I'm being a little bit more lenient here as well and more optimistic because it's this en masse entertainment and blue hole studios that are working on it i actually have i don't know from the lore to me is phenomenal when you're looking at it in terms of how imaginative it is wherein it's the two gods that fell asleep and what's created are two titans um what's created is the from their dreams is what the how the world is created that world and the different factions the different races are all based on the dreams that they have if well done this could stand to be to open up the story to so many different expansions different plot things that they shove in through packs and whatnot like it's literally limitless in terms of what they can do with it toss into that the fact that the the combat Looks very cool and will require a skill and not just literally punching one and two. That I love. I mean, if they could set up WoW so that if you're, say, a hunter, you're playing more as if you were playing Team Fortress 2 kind of thing and you're scoping in and out and seeing first person, my God, that would be a blast. So if they could do something similar where you have to literally be paying attention and doing something instead of just hitting a couple of keys, I think that's awesome. And then I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the... um, the theme music that they've got up on their site right now—they've got a couple of guys who are from the Northwest Symphoria um, Orchestra—and I'll put some of the music on in the background later on so you guys can hear it. It's awesome. The music is phenomenal. Everything from the haunting guitars to various wind instruments—everything like. It, the the style of it looks to be great the lore is setting itself up to be super interesting the fighting looks like it's going to be fantastic the only thing now is is it going to be a grind if it's going to be a grind that's going to kill it and that to me is the only fear because again it is an eastern game
2: and i'm again it's one of those things where it's reserved optimism because i think that they can possibly learn from the other failures that other companies have had um, with trying to bring an Eastern game into a Western world, and hopefully they resolve some of that, because the game does look fun. And anybody who's played Dungeons & Dragons online will tell you, a combat system that forces you to participate is a lot of fun, Um, where you are responsible for blocking and hitting and striking and lining up your shots. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of immersion into the world, too. And it also gives you uh, a, a, a Feeling in your character, um, you know. Obviously, the more you put into it, the more you get out. But with stuff like this, when you when you are bringing a game over from the Eastern to Western culture, even with that, you're right. That is the fear. That is a fear that it's going to turn into a bloody grind fest. But again, to
1: to try to assuage some of that, they are one of the first companies too where they we were talking about that several shows back how they've gotten a group together now of the um, what was it? it was Blizzard and NCSoft employees to yep. try to westernize the game work with them so that it is something that's more appropriate for us so it's gonna well i'm I'm keeping a very close eye on it i'm super interested if there was a chance in hell i could get in that game my god i would love to i would also like to see if i could potentially get somebody working on the lore and on the story onto the show hopefully with any luck we can at some point because i'm super interested moving on from there you mentioned ion 1.1.9 looks like it's gonna be landing next month now they were talking a little bit as well with um the um The producer, and who else was it that they were talking to? They were talking to... No, it was just the producer. And they asked some some questions about what it's going to be like and and whatnot. One of the things that is interesting is if you did play through uh, high-level characters and you weren't, say, a hunter, um, you you were having to deal with stun a lot. And they are putting in mechanics so that you're not going to have to be putting up with that quite as much. The other thing, too, is they're going to be introducing rental weapons, which are way too expensive did you see the price on it you can rent something yeah. for two weeks but it'll cost you nearly three quarters of a million kino. really who who who's gonna do yeah.
2: that yeah see the thing is is, is they're they're they look like they're trying to fix it i give them credit for attempting to fix it and draw people back in but here here's this thing um, when you make baby steps, eventually you're going to fall flat on your face because you're going to trip over your own foot at some point. And it seems like that is a good example of a baby step. The weapons are cool, but they're fucking expensive. And they only last for 14 days. Um, they're available, what, every five levels? So players can use them um, as they level. Well, I talk mean, that's, about a money sink. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I understand that money was easy to come by in that game. Don't get me wrong, but... You know, but the, that's the thing, it really yeah. wasn't when you started looking at everywhere where you had to spend a small fortune.
1: Now they're going to be taking care of where it's not going to cost you quite as much for when you're resing and things like that, and to get your but experience buyback, yeah. yeah. So there's going to be some there's of enough that money sinks, but there's still enough money sinks, there's still a ton of money sinks, exactly. really. This is like they, I think, they had a good idea because again, people are complaining about the grind and how long it takes to level and things like that. Okay, well, here's an idea let's give them some really good Q that they'll only have for whatever levels, you know, period of time. Granted, I'm not crazy about the fact that it's, you know, 14 days and not X amount of hours played. If right. I don't play for a week for whatever reason and I bought something for three quarters of a million and then I could only use it for seven days, I'm I'm not going to be very impressed. And so I, I don't like that. But again, they had a nice... A good concept. So let's help people level up so that they level up faster because they got good gear. The gear they would have sold off anyways afterwards, probably because they didn't have much use for it. So, rental, good idea. The price, astronomical, idea. makes no sense whatsoever. So, and yes, screwed it up. Again, it's a step in the right direction, but
2: not quite there yet. No, not even close.
1: Okay, I, I really, I uh, we're not we're not playing, There's, I'd like to say that there's enough in 1.9 that I'd be willing to give it a shot again. But the more I've been reading, again, they're shooting themselves in the foot. The more I'm thinking, no, not yet. Maybe 2.0. Who knows when that's going to fall. But there's just not enough in this yet. And the more I'm reading that they're clarifying that I was hopeful about, and then they clarify it like this here, and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's... Maybe I was just too hopeful because, yeah, that's not what I thought it was going to be. So forget it. Um, what else? We actually, before we go on break, there was uh, another rumor yet again of the potential of a Bioshock MMO that it's being worked on. Now, this is not the first time that there's a rumor about this. And it's just I, I wanted to see your take on it because the thing with the Bioshock especially is because of the huge change in terms of events that led from you know pre pre bioshock one like what would the mmo be like that setting it all up or whatever or right after or during you could have that cataclysm type effect where in part with you you get everything goes to hell kind of thing but even if it started right afterwards the only problem i i i could come up with Would be the limited locale. Well,
2: see, that's the thing, though. Um, we never actually know how big Rapture is. You get bits and pieces of it. And as you're going through the game, if you look left and right, especially through like the, the breezeways, uh, the air the airlocks that connect different buildings, it's huge, but you're cut off from a good chunk of it in the first game and you're cut off from a good chunk of it in the second game. There's a lot that they could do with it. Um, my main problem with it is just going to be the time frame personally i would love to see the set pre-fall i would love this to happen before uh the huge cataclysmic event that shattered walkways flooded entire sections mass murdered people i'd love to see the setup i'd love to see the different factions vying for control in the background um you know, I'd like to see something like that. And I think it's possible. I think it's very doable. And I think it's a very intriguing and interesting concept. I mean, the world of Bioshock has always been cool. I mean, go back to System Shock. Um, they were very cool ideas. They're very cool ideas that they brought over to Bioshock. They're amazing ideas that they even brought further up. It's just a matter of how you guys set it. Do I think it's going to be likely? Probably not. I don't think 2K is going to enter into the MMO scene. They've talked about it before, but with everything else coming out, um, I mean, when you have a niche that you're doing well, why try to shoot yourself in the foot by going into a market that you don't know as well? Um, again, there's a lot of variables that they could play with, but personally, I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see it happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. See, I actually, I
1: agree with you. I think it'd be very cool if they were to start before the fall of Rapture, but then if they had a basically long-term plan for the game, where for... X amount of months, maybe as much as a year you're in before the fall kind of thing. But then they introduced through patches every month or every couple of months where you can see things deteriorating more and more and more. And then you have that huge, you know, the fall of rapture and make that into a huge event that lasts a long time. And then from then on it progresses and it it gets progressively worse and worse and worse. Then you'd have a nice business plan for an MMO that could easily be, uh, again, a two-year plan wherein you would definitely hold the interest. But the problem is, is that it would take an astronomical amount of funds because there'd be so many changes that would have to be put
2: into the game constantly. Well, there's another problem with it too. Um, right now, as it stands, the Bioshock story has a definite endpoint. Um, now, that's not a bad thing, but if you make a super popular game and you're trying to follow a storyline that's already been set with an ending, um, you you kind of put a time limit on yourself. I think that could uh, change, though. I mean, they can rewrite right, that and take a lot of liberties. Right. I'm, I'm sure they could, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff they could put in the meantime. But I mean, it, it, you have to be aware of of what I call Kevin Sorboing it. Um, and for those that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Kevin Sorbo, the horrible actor um, who has played Hercules and also played on the show Andromeda, these shows had endpoints, and he liked the shows so much that he decided to stake a bid and keep fucking going with them even after they were supposed to end. Um, so, yes, that's that's what I can see potentially happening with it. I mean, look at even look at World of Warcraft. We have a rough idea of what they're going to go with it, where they're going to end it, if they're going to end it. But they have enough leeway because the end story is not finally written. So they can change it as much as they want. Whereas here, we know what happens. We know Rapture falls. We know that pockets are cut off from everywhere else. I mean, that's... That's the problem that I can see with it happening. Yeah, I don't but, want to see it keep going after it should be done.
1: But my point is, is that if they made it where in the fall is only the, the the halfway mark of the series of the game, wherein the, the, the rest of it becomes this, you know, what would amount to a post-apocalyptic kind of game at that point. So the game takes on a very different look and feel from the first part of it as opposed to the second part of it. And it just makes a huge transaction and so you, you're you keeping people really interested in the IP and wanting to play it, especially knowing that there is going to be that change and so much more added
2: to it. it I can see the potential. I can see the potential. But again, it's one of those things where I just I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm certainly not arguing that. But I. I I would like to see. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. Oh yes, I I think it would be phenomenal. We're going to take a short break and uh, refresh our drinks, and then come back with a little bit after that. back To you for the lore, thanks for allowing us a little break, and we're gonna start right back with some more Blizzard news with Starcraft 2. And they're there, this is proving to be quite a hassle for them in Korea,
2: yes, 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 yes. And the thing is, is nobody knows what their problem is, um, but it did receive an adult rating. Um, that pretty much kills the Korean StarCraft phenomena. Um, all these kids that, uh, you know, play in these professional leagues from yeah. Korea, they're not going to be able to get their hands on it now, um, which is funny because the first game, the first two games in uh, in Korea received a rating of 12 plus. Um, so it wasn't adult only. It was perfectly fine. So I'm kind of curious what the hell their problem is with it this time. Um, it could, can't be the stim packs because those were in the first game. Uh, if they say it advocates like opium use or whatever, I don't fucking know. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to look at this game and understand what they have a problem with. Um, there's nothing that much different as far as content wise to the first game, so I'm wondering what changed over the years. But that adult rating fucking kills Blizzard. Oh yeah. Well. It-
1: And it's, it's point blank going to make a huge impact on their bottom line because
2: Korea is such a huge market exactly and in order with the esports becoming so popular now I mean one of the biggest events at BlizzCon is their invitational Um, I mean there was throngs of people and the prizes are pretty huge in every event that they have Um, I mean if they have to take anything out of the Korean game they're going to have to take it out of all of the games and then anything they take out if it's not just pure graphic wise um, it's going to be something that they have to rebalance the game which means delays which means all of us are forced to wait even longer just to get our hands on this game. It's well, a huge shot in the foot. Well, the thing, too, is that this is
1: based on the beta right now. It's not based on any build other than the beta, they said. Does the beta have many videos in it, even?
2: It's all gameplay. So it's, it's all multiplayer.
1: That means that the problem that they're having is something right in the, the actual core gameplay. Which, as you're saying, is huge because I cannot, cannot see them letting this go in terms of saying, okay, well, we won't worry about it in Korea then. (laughs) Maybe if it was like Zimbabwe or somewhere else and nobody cared what the, you know, how many people play. But Korea for StarCraft 2, they're going to have to make whatever changes are needed to get that rating down.
2: And they have 30 days to appeal the decision, um, which obviously they're going to be doing. um, But... If it stands, if the decision on the ratings stands, it's going to be fucking horrible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's move from there to Star Wars, The Old Republic.
1: We got a little bit more news. They've really kind of slowed down how much news is coming out for it. Right now, there's been a little bit of a lull. But they did put out yet another video, this uh, piece for The Republic video, which is actually fantastic. It's... um. It's uh, Again, I I really love how they're doing this in terms of giving you a lot of the lore beforehand and a lot of the history with the chapter points of the different timelines and things like that so you can be prepared when the Old Republic comes out. So this tells a story about um, uh, this guy and how he was infiltrating the, the Jedi and everything. It's actually a very good video. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. I got to watch some of it, not all of it. Yeah. It's I'm really digging these like we've actually uh, my youngest and I have watched all of the videos. Um, So as soon as a new one comes out, we've been watching it. And again, I'm I'm not a huge Star Wars um, lore nerd kind of thing. So this is really helping because I'm getting to see a lot of the things and, and be prepared for when the game comes out but it's funny because when I watch it with my youngest a lot of the stuff he actually recognizes it or he'll recognize the setting or the the you know who's involved and things like that so yeah no it's it's very good I'll put the link in the show notes there's not much else in terms of lore right now or in terms of much else for star wars that we've heard about they've been pretty quiet for a little bit now and i guess again keeping in mind that we're still looking at a year before the damn game comes out there's only so much that they can put out during that time
2: well and and yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head there's only so much that they can cram out especially when they're probably getting ready for an open beta i mean or a beta release in general um from what i've you hear rumbling in the background so i mean they're they're getting to a point where the content's being ready to be pushed out at least in some regard so everything is slowing down but the love fact that they're taking the time to prepare the masses for the game prepare the masses for the world so they can go in informed even if they've never heard of anything in the star wars universe excuse me universe before i think that's good i think that's nice um, oh, yeah. and, and it's a it's a nice little thing that you don't see from any companies Um, they talk about this amazing new game and you get this awesome trailer and then it turns out to be absolute crap, you know, and this one, they're preparing you for a full, not just a world but a universe with diverse culture and different planets, um, and different walks of life, you know?
1: Yeah, they did put out uh, some new information. I think it was this Voss, or was it? I think it was Voss that they put out some more information on yet another planet too recently. So they are putting out some information. It's not uh, it's not flowing quite as much as before. But I think it's because, again, point blank, they're they're reaching a point where they're going to have to slow down. Um, That being said, EA has said that they are pumping more money into this than they have in any other game. So who knows? How deep this well is. I mean, they may very well have consistent information to put out or information to put out on a consistent basis from here to release date. It will be interesting to see. Uh, Moving on from there, we got information about Pokemon. There's a new Pokemon (laughs) game. I had to put it in the show notes. I don't care if people are like, oh, Pokemon. I had to put it in. The thing that kills me is that, like, I mean, there was a hint of this black and white game that was coming out. And then there was, all of a sudden it was in a magazine And then all of a sudden they were talking about it a little bit more and there was more screenshots that were released. And then all of a sudden they were talking about it and they had some actual video footage. I saw that today. The thing that kills me is is this is a brand new Pokemon game coming out. Look at it. It looks like crap. How can you have still pixelated ugliness? This many years later, on an IP that people are so interested in, like, yeah, some of this actually doesn't look half bad, but when you're looking at the characters, like the fight scenes, and it's like all pixelated, and I'm going, is it like 1986? What the crap, look at
2: this! Yeah, I was uh disappointed to say the very least. I mean, is it's not a limitation of the uh the hardware because we've seen some pretty fantastic looking games on the DS. I mean, so it's it's not a limitation in that. Um, it, it's really, I mean, they're cutting corners to make like 3D environments maybe, but still even that, it's like, give me my fucking isometric view if that's going to be the case. You well, know, when, give when me some talk- polish. Yeah, when you're talking about something like
1: uh, that, it doesn't have to be that, that fancy. I mean, look at the Professor Layton game. And a lot of it, yes, is the cel-shaded style where it's just kind of drawn out, but it looked fantastic. It looked fantastic. And then the animations in between looked great. They could do the same kind of thing where it would have, it would look just fantastic. And yet here we have the same old thing. And I I mean, the the, I, I enjoy the games. I do enjoy the games and I do play them. I'm playing one right now, but my God, what I wouldn't give for one that's actually cool and fun to play and looks good so moving on from there, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time. I just thought That's it needed fine. to be said because, again, I saw the pictures. And well, first I heard about it and I thought, oh, my God, a new one, too. It's not just, you know, a port of an old Game Boy one. It's just, it's just going to be brand new. It's going to look cool. And then I saw the screens and a little part of, you know, that little boy in me kind of went, oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, shall we move on to the next one? Yes. There's this huge huge resurgence side scroller games um, I mean, we're seeing new Mega Man games are being released with rather frequently um, From 9 out of 10. We're seeing uh, Braid being redownloaded and hitting Steam's top download list again uh, And now we're seeing new games come out in this case uh, the Misadventures of P.B. Winterbottom. Uh, the game t- is a side-scrolling adventure that takes place in the silent film era. Um, not only does it take place in the silent film era, but you get transported to this sort of like parallel universe almost where you can do things like create copies of yourself. Um you can it's got all the stuff that like braid has but a little bit more and it's all done through black and white with the old-timey music with the weird filter on it um and it's just looks fun um i'm not saying that this is going to be like a make it or break it game but it's just another proof of concept that side scrollers are not dead in a world where we have full lush 3d environments and games with you know photorealistic content that the 2d side scroller is still around. Um, There was another one that was coming out too. I I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I think it was like shadows of something um, where the environment actually rotates around you to change the environment. Again, a side scroller, um, but with a different concept. And I like the idea that they're, they're putting sort of new stuff on there and, and new things out there. And this is of personal interest to me since I'm, making a side-scrolling game. I mean, it's just further evidence that these games are still have a relevant uh, niche in modern gaming.
1: Oh, and I don't think that's going anywhere. I mean, we've seen a lot of games um, not that long ago even, like the the Machine one. What was it called again? Machinist? Uh, what the hell was it called? Um, I'm going to find it. But we've seen quite a few of them where in the... Um, the side-scroller is, and I mean, before Braid even, um, where the side-scroller is, still is very much alive and still is something that you can enjoy. And if done properly, is it, it's easier for them to design. Case in point, Trine here that's up on Steam that I've got up, we actually picked it up and my son was playing it for quite a while. Fantastic game, fan, side-scroller adds quite a bit of depth to it as well but is very very cool and then you have your games like um which we call it um braid and things like that um it's definitely not going anywhere it's it's right. going to be sticking around and especially if people can come up with very unique ways of of incorporating something different in it then not only will it be something that is is um accepted but is actually going to be damn popular it's like i mean bray did very well um castle crashers oh my yep. god oh well, i still love playing that game <laughs> i mean we've been playing that sucker for quite a while and they're working on another one they've been working on another one for a little while now when that sucker comes out day it's out i'm not wasting time i'm gonna buy it i'm not
2: waiting for a review of it i'll buy
1: it they earned my trust and there
2: you go that's just a
1: side scroller
2: Absolutely. And they're also a very low price point as well, too. I mean, The Adventures of PB Winterbottom is a five dollar game, you know, and for a game that's very a generation that's very economically minded with its games, that also plays a huge factor. Not only these games fun, uh, but they're cheap and that makes it very easy to pick it up and play it. Um, Well, they're they're cheaper to put out in design as well. Yes, they are. Case in point, again, what you're doing. Two, two guys are building a game. I mean, two guys are building a game, whereas in the 80s and 90s, it would take a team of like, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40, whatever, to, to just get through character design and animation. Uh, the world's changing and it is cheaper to put them out, but the games are still a lot of fun. Uh, and even the higher production ones, like Sam made a very good point. Uh, the new Super Mario Brothers Wii is a freaking addicting fun game, um, but it's also a side scrolling adventure. You know, and it's 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 just proof that these games will stay with us, uh, if not through just nostalgia, um, through the fact that they're just good
1: games. Yeah, I think that's what it is there. I don't think it's so much a nostalgia so much as the fact that if you can build a good game, regardless of what style it is, we'll play it. We'll give it a shot. We'll we'll play it. And I mean, Braid to me was a perfect example of that, not because we'd given up on the on platformers so much as we hadn't seen anything really, really, really unique. And also something that made you think. The The thing about platformers, for the most part, is that they really didn't make you think. It tested your reflexes, and yeah, you had to figure out some little puzzles here and there, but nothing compared to Braid. And when Braid came out, all of a sudden it was like whole new mechanics involved and things like that where you're you're having to use your brain and you're having fun, again, on this side scroller so yeah it's very cool it is something that uh as they come out i always keep an eye on them not just because they tend to be again cheaper and you know you spend a couple of hours playing and you had a fantastic time and it's not like you were in a bad raid where you didn't get the loot you wanted
2: <laughs> exactly
1: exactly so good good return on investment yeah oh for sure uh last thing you wanted to talk about too was fallen earth has got a new free trial available
2: Yes, Fallen Earth is a post-apocalyptic game, um, which has some very interesting features. There's a free 10-day trial that's actually very quick to install. It's not that bad at all. Um, and it's fairly interesting gameplay. It's very open-ended. Um, it is an MMO, um, but it's a first-person shooter MMO, very much like uh, Hellgate tried to be, um, but just wasn't ready for the time. Um, there are interesting things about this game is the fact that there's like Seven different factions, it's not just one side versus the other Um, you don't start out with any faction you find a niche and work with it Um, It's completely open-ended as far as what you can do as a character um, you can do everything from if you want to be a healer, there's different ways that you can be a healer through nanite control, mutations, um, random field medic skills, things like that. Uh, but it'll, it gives you, the player, complete control over what you do. And this includes any factions you ally with, the reps you gain, and and the gameplay itself for you. You can custom tailor your experience. The one downside I'm seeing currently is character creation is incredibly limited. Um, creating a new character you don't have a whole lot to work with um... there's very limited uh... hair colors hairstyles facial features and you can only proportion it out so much um, that's a definite drawback on the game especially in something like this where there should be tons and tons and tons of different genetic mutations or or uh... you know scrap metal bits that you graft onto your body and you can do some of that later on Uh, But the limited character creation is is kind of a a down point. Everything else about the game is friggin' hilariously fun. Um, Everything from being a wasteland sniper uh, all the way through being a, you know, a medic mutant uh, who uses radiation to heal your partners. Uh, The game has a lot of potential. Uh, It's worth checking out. It's worth checking out for just the uniqueness of the factions, the way they interact, as well as the way that the character skills are built. This was one of the games that actually was on sale on Steam during the holidays,
1: and I very, very nearly picked it up. But then the more I've been reading about it, it's been getting such fluctuating reviews where it's, you know, some people absolutely hated it and other people are all right with it and they're enjoying it, but even they can't be enthusiastic about it. And that's what's put me off on it. So it's something where, okay, a free trial, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I know that they've been doing quite a bit of work on it in terms of, adding a lot and making some changes so that it is better so maybe it is more enjoyable now than when it first came out i don't know but again it's one of those where i did consider it strongly and then i thought yeah no if people aren't that interested then with so many other cool games out it's not really worth it
2: well and that's exactly it i mean especially when we have our choice over so many different things why waste your time in a game that you might not like, which is why I'm very happy that there was a 10-day free trial because yeah. it was the same boat with me. It's one of the things where it's like, oh, this looks cool, but everybody's all over the place. Well, now I finally get to form my own opinion, which makes me happy.
1: Definitely. Okay, that's going to call it a wrap for tonight's show. Make sure to download the show either tomorrow or on Wednesday. It'll probably be tomorrow, and we should have yet another feature on the Mass Effect Squad bio from my man Vince. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be putting out episode 30 at the same time, so they'll both be out tomorrow or again on Wednesday. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you guys next week.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Vince from MassiveNerd.net, bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography. Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the Quarian Engineer, Tali Zora Vasnima. Tali joins Garrus Vicarian as the only two returning crew members from the first Mass Effect. The first difference many fans will notice is Tali's name has changed. In the first game, Tali was still an adolescent on her pilgrimage, looking to become a full adult in Quarian society. As such, she took the name of the ship she was born on, the Raya, and was known as Tali Zora Nar Raya. Her pilgrimage complete, Tali was free to become a full crew member of one of the migrant fleet's ships. Serving on the Nima, Tali now goes by her adult name, Tali Zora Vas Nima. Aside from her new name, though, she is mostly the same old Tali we all know and love. Shepard first encounters Tali on the human colony Freedom's Progress. As a recent victim of a Collector attack, Freedom's Progress is Shepard's first stop to gather information on his new adversaries. Tali and a small group of Quarians are also investigating the colony, as one of their own, a young Quarian named Vitor, has gone missing there. Tali is shocked to see Shepard not only alive, but working for Cerberus, a group that should be Shepard's enemy, and is Tali's. Apparently, Cerberus was responsible for a recent attack on the migrant fleet. More details about this event can be found in the Mass Effect Ascension novel. Suspicions and differences aside, Shepard and his Cerberus group are able to work alongside the Quarians to subdue the renegade defense systems and rescue Vitor, who possesses important data on the Collectors. Though Shepard would like Tali to come along on the mission, she refuses. In addition to her distrust of Cerberus, she has an important mission to complete for the Quarians. Eventually realizing that Shepard will need more help against the Collectors, the Elusive Man tracks Tali down to the planet Haystrom in Geth space and authorizes a mission to recruit her. Tali was on Hastrum researching the effects of its sun, which is dying far sooner than it should, in addition to trying to learn more about the former Quarian colony on the world. With Hastrum deep in geth-controlled space, it was only a matter of time before Tali was discovered and the Quarians found themselves on the defensive. Shepard arrives just in time to get Tali off the planet. With her obligations to the migrant fleet fulfilled, Tali joins the Normandy crew, though she makes it a point to declare her loyalty to Shepard, not Cerberus. During her time with Shepard, Tali receives a message from the migrant fleet. The Admiralty board has charged her with treason, and she must return to the fleet to face the charges. This begins Tali's loyalty mission, Treason. Arriving at the fleet, Tali is greeted with the first of many surprises. She is addressed as Tali Zora Vos Normandy. While she has been aboard the Normandy, she should still be considered a member of the Nema crew. Revoking her ship name is seen as the first step leading to Tali's exile almost as if her guilt was a foregone conclusion. Additionally, since Aquarian's captain stands in their defense, this means Shepard will be Tali's advocate. Not having a quarian captain on her side was intended to make things more difficult for Tali, though Shepard proves to be more than up to the task. Before the trial even starts, it is apparent that Tali's guilt or innocence is unimportant to the Admirals, as they're only interested in using her as a political pawn. The trial underway, Tali is charged with one of the harshest crimes a quarian can commit, bringing active Geth into the fleet. Tali admits that she had been sending Geth technology back to her father, Admiral Railzora, for study, but she took every precaution to be sure the pieces were non-functional. Then Tali receives her second shock. Her father's ship, the Alarai, had been taken over by the Geth. All on board, including Tali's father, are presumed dead. Their minds seemingly made up before the start of the trial, the Admirals want to find Tali guilty and destroy the Alleri, but Shepard gives them another option. Shepard proposes allowing Tali to retake the Alari, searching for survivors and possibly finding evidence of her innocence. The Admirals agree, assuming that Tali will not make it back alive. Aboard the Allari, the evidence does not paint a good picture of Tali's father. While Tali was indeed sending back inactive Geth components, Rail was reactivating them. The Geth communicate by forming a network, a hive mind of sorts. The more Geth present, the smarter and more powerful they are. Rail continued to activate more and more Geth, ignoring all safety protocols, in order to test weapons against them, all in hopes of one day reclaiming the Quarian homeworld. Though Rail may have had good intentions, his disregard for the law was his undoing. Eventually, the Geth became too intelligent, took over the Alarai's systems, built new bodies for themselves out of the existing technology, and took over the ship. Tali and Shepard recover evidence of all of this from Rail's corpse, but Tali is unwilling to share this information with the Admiralty Board. She would rather live the rest of her life in exile than ruin her father's good name. There are many possible choices Shepard can make upon returning to the Admirals. Many of them will affect the mission, and possibly future missions to come. As long as Shepard keeps the evidence of Rail's work to himself, he will gain Tali's loyalty. Shepard must be careful, though. It is possible to lose Tali's loyalty after an altercation with the Normandy's final crew member. A loyal Tali presents a great deal of fan service as a potential romance for Shepard. With all their past history, the young Quarian all but throws herself at the commander. Though both parties are willing, Tali is not quite ready herself. Due to the Quarian's weak immune systems, intimate encounters are a dangerous prospect. Any exposure to the world outside her environment suit could invite disease and infection. Tali takes some precautions and eventually shares a passionate moment with Shepard, revealing her face to him, and only him, for the first time. Though she does suffer some after effects from the encounter, it was well worth it in her eyes. Sadly, Tali does not fit well into a combat team. Her abilities are useful and powerful, but she is very specialized. Her combat drone, as well as that of any engineer, is a very powerful and oft-overlooked ability. While its damage isn't that significant, its ability to distract enemies and draw them out of cover can be vital. Her other abilities, AI hacking and energy drain, are incredibly useful, but are only effective against synthetic and shielded enemies, respectively. If you're fighting Geth or even Blue Sun's mercenaries, Tali is a strong choice. Unfortunately, with no effective attacks against armor or barriers, Tali's usefulness is quite limited through most of the game. Tali is a great, fun character. While Garrus is dark and moody, Tali is a reminder of better days. Though she may be lacking in combat, Tali proves invaluable in the final mission. Chicken legs, funny accent and all, there's a reason Tali has become the favorite character of many Mass Effect fans.
1: About as fast as Rick goes. I'm still working on the goddamn t-shirt because I'm actually drawing it out. Are you really? Yes, I am. It's going to be terrible. Terrible. But I'm doing it anyways. <laughs> You're going to race change
2: that into an ugly ass dwarf. What is? Wrong yes, with I you? am.
1: There's something wrong with you
2: I, I gotta get something That looks closer to me man If I'm gonna go with Ugly Dwarf I am one in real life Why the hell not go For one in game Because you're Looking at it While you're playing And you don't have to Look at you I mean I don't
1: know Why Tart does it But <laughs> maybe that's why She's clear across the country <laughs> Fair enough Actually works. we're gonna be Starting right now I gotta turn the phone off Because I've been Texting back and forth With my sister And just grossing The shit out of her Which is kind of fun <laughs> Feels like I'm seven again You know <laughs>
2: Yeah so we'll do that With my little sister <laughs> Yeah
1: Hello and welcome to For the Lord, This is Roger, coming to you on Monday, the April, the April, the April,
2: the, what the hell, what, oh that's awesome, congratulations, nice,
1: nice, how about we try that again, because that happens all the time, yes, yes it does, oh man, okay, epic, Uh, Yeah. Hello and welcome to For the Lord. This is Rojo coming to you on Monday, the 19th of April. I almost did it again. I can't. uh, Hold on a
2: second. (laughs) I'm having a drink. Hold on a second. Uh, To quote Barney from How I Met Your Mother Legend. Wait for for it. it. Dairy. Dairy. All right. Jesus Christ. My groove's off. Rick's not here. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Well, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on the 19th of April. We are reckless to
2: Like you know, riding from the top of fucking strangle thor the hell
1: to fly in whoa, oh, oh, oh stop Wait. talking, stop talking. You cut out. Start back that sentence again, I'll edit it. <laughs> okay. It just went oh, and there was nothing.
2: That's random. So just start
1: <laughs> back from scratch, I'll let it all that crap out.
2: <laughs> well, I just think it's I think it's- All right. Then do it. Do it, do it, do it.
1: Okay. Oh. So, what dude. what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What do you mean? Look at, look at. I'm a, okay, hold on. You see me highlighting? You see me highlighting? Can you see me highlighting? I haven't done anything. Go to wave. Go to the wave. I'm in the wave. Okay, I'm gonna just just hold on. Edit. Okay. Okay. Look it. This is this is me highlighting, okay?
2: You, I see you highlighting. Okay, what am I highlighting? You're in between Receives? No, I'm on Receives. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Shut up.
1: How do you write Receives? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at that. Grown man writes for a professional online site and yet cannot write Receives. Shame on you.
2: Fuck you. That's why I have editors.
1: Disgusted. Disgusted.
2: (laughs) My God. They are fixed. Get off your high horse. Do you want to fix ratings while you're at it? Nope. Because that's wrong, too. You just See the thing is, is You can't Okay You cannot go one episode Without making fun of somebody You notice this And since And since Rick's not here That's fine
1: You can capitalize Korea While you're at it nope. Okay Fuck that And uh Adults wouldn't have a A Capital A that's Whatever fine. Okay <laughs> Mr. Prissy Pants <laughs> Whatever